Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc slash soap. All right, well, good morning, everybody. I'm excited to get into the Word today. Um, We are in uh, Luke chapter 20, but the last half of it, so starting in verse 20, is where we will uh, begin this morning. Um, And uh, we're going to be looking at a couple different chunks and uh, and sections, and they sound very... um, very different from each other as we look into the end of Luke 20 here. Uh, but there is kind of like a rolling theme. And uh, and we'll look at that and really what uh, these three areas are kind of really talking about um, and what they're all pointing to. Uh, but these are some great um, illustrations and stories uh, that we're going to jump into today. And uh, so let's pray. Let's get into the word uh, and let's see what God has for us this morning. All right, Lord, we just, uh, we come to you with open hearts and open minds right now this morning. Um, Lord, we just, we want to hear from you. We want to, we want to hear your word. We want to hear your instruction for us. We want to hear your heart this morning. Um, Lord, as you uh, just continue to work in our hearts and our lives, uh, may this be uh, a lesson. May this be an aha moment. May this be something that just turns and shifts our focus even more intently towards you. Lord, I surrender myself to you, uh, that this be your message and not mine. Uh, Teach me even uh, as well uh, this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. All right, get that stretch in, get that cup of coffee. Paul, how are you feeling this morning? I see you up this morning. You and some guys were doing some great work um, yesterday. Uh, and there's there's Bob as well. Bob was doing some great work. Guys are just uh, getting things ready um, for as we get into Easter time. And uh, and I, so I just love that we're uh, the soaping that we're doing this month as we get closer and closer to Easter. Um, and so, you know, let's let's listen to what Jesus has to say here again. Luke 20, starting in verse 20 to the rest of the chapter. Um, reading out of the New Living Translation. Um, so in verse 20, uh, watching for their opportunity, the leaders, religious leaders, as he's talking about, the leaders sent spies pretending to be honest men. Uh, they tried to get Jesus to say something that could be reported to the Roman governor so he would arrest Jesus. Teacher, they said. We know that you speak and teach what is right and are not influenced by what others think. You teach the way God, uh, uh, you teach the ways of God truthfully. Uh, Now tell us, is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Verse 23, he says, um, he saw through their trickery and said, show me a Roman coin whose picture and title are stamped on it. Caesar's, they replied. Well, then, he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God 
what belongs to God. So they fail <clears throat> so they failed to trap him by what he said in front of the people. Instead, they were amazed by his answer and they became silent. Verse 27. Uh, then Jesus was approached by some Sadducees, religious uh, leaders who say there is no resurrection from the dead. They posed this question, teacher, Moses gave us a law that if a man dies, leaving uh, a wife but no children, his brother should marry the widow and have a child who would carry on the brother's name. Well, suppose there were seven brothers, the oldest one married and then died without children. Uh, so the second one married the widow, but he also died. Then the third brother married her. This continued with all seven of them who died without children. Finally, the woman also died. So tell us, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? For all seven were married to her. And Jesus replied, marriage is for people here on earth. But in the age to come, who's worthy of being raised from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage. And they will never die again. In this respect, they will be like angels. They are children of God and children of the resurrection. But now as to whether the dead will be raised, even Moses proved this when he wrote about the burning bush long after abraham isaac and jacob had died he referred to the lord as the god of abraham the god of isaac and the god of jacob so he is the god of the living not the dead for they are all alive to him well said teacher uh, remarked some of the teachers of religious law who were standing there and then no one dared to ask him any more questions. Verse 41, then Jesus presented them a question. Why is it, he asked, that the Messiah is said to be the son of David? For David uh, himself wrote in the book of Psalms, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand. Until I humble your enemies, make them a footstool under your feet. Since David called the Messiah Lord, how can the Messiah be his son? Then the crowds listening, he turned to his disciples and said, Beware of these teachers of religious law, for they like to parade around in flowing robes and love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces and how they love to uh, love the seats of honor in the synagogues and the head tables at banquets. Yet they shamelessly cheat widows out of their property and then pretend to be pious by making long prayers in public. Because of this, they will be severely punished. The word of the Lord. All right. So we've got three kind of prominent stories, um, teachings from Jesus. Um, some of those a little impromptu and some of those. Uh, Definitely, or the last one there definitely was on his heart to to make sure that people understood this. Um, but we see the uh, the whole Roman coin situation. You know, it, this kind of this idea right at the beginning, where it's um, the religious leaders sent spies pretending to be honest men, which is it, it's kind of upsetting when you really look, think about it. 
is that these teachers of religious law that should be not only teaching of the law of Moses, but the morality, and yet they go get dishonest men to pose as honest men. The the, the moral hypocrisy and, and contradiction to themselves and all of this, just, just to be able to trap a guy that is actually posing a threat to their own power and uh, an authority on earth. When you really think about it, just the fact of them sending spies alone, regardless of what the question even is, just that fact alone was, was it, it's pretty disheartening. And it's uh, upsetting to see that, guess what? Sin can encroach anywhere even in the place that wants to renounce sin. Even in the places, even in the where it should be renounced and, and pushed out the most, it's crept in almost the deepest. And so uh, we just, uh, it's just a little tidbit when you really look at it um, of how, how much sin has really encroached in this world. And how much we really need to keep our eyes and ears open to really see where and how deep and infectious it is. But it also shows the amount of power that the cross actually has. It shows the depth and the need for the cross. It shows the depth and need for what God did by sending his son uh, to this earth. And at all, we just, we see how much more we all need jesus but we go into what their whole idea was was to try to trick them and and of course at this time they're just really really upset that rome is occupying them and is basically have a, a governmental rule over them um and so they're trying to get out of uh, not paying taxes you actually have um, the the zealots, uh, if you've been watching The Chosen, you got like Z that was there that was used to be a zealot and everything, right? And uh, but the zealots, a a very very extreme portion of um, uh, of the uh, Jewish community, um, they outright did not pay taxes. They they straight up um, just said Roman Roman government and rule here is just not legitimate at all. They just straight up didn't do it. Um, and so they were always hiding and running uh, from Rome uh, and Roman guards and things like that. And so uh, you kind of, if you watch The Chosen, that's kind of depicted a little bit there. Um, but you see that a lot of, uh, pr pretty much every Jew is just very reluctant to pay taxes. This is why being a, a Jewish tax collector was absolutely heinous. I, I mean, it was so heinous that it one at most of the time you see where prostitutes and tax collectors are put together in the same sentence as being just the most heinous people um, within the community. And so you you put these two together and it's it's ugly. So that's that's kind of why this this thing is a really big deal, why this question is a much bigger deal uh, than what it's um, initially given credit for. And this, you know, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? And he says, show me a Roman coin. 
He does this for a specific reason. And by asking this question, whose picture and title are stamped on it? All right, there's a picture and there's a title. And in the title, so the picture, of course, is Caesar himself. Um, um, so you have, it's Tiberius Caesar himself, uh, and it basically reads in English, the son of the divine Augustus. He's basically saying that he is divine because he is the Roman emperor, and therefore he's to be looked at as God. Uh, and you and basically every coin with that stamp does belong to Caesar. It's the property is owned by the image that is bared on it. And so therefore, God's just say, give it back to him. It has his image on it. Give it to him. It's not yours. And don't worry so much about your money, your coins here that have an image bared to him. You're overly concerned with this. You need to worry about what you need to give to God, which we bear his image. And that's what the whole point is, is that whatever belongs to Caesar, who cares? Give it to him. Let him have it. It's not that important. It's so temporary. Get your mind more eternal than temporal. And give to God what belongs to God. We bear his image, and so we belong to God. Guess what? We don't even belong to ourselves. There's some hard things that sometimes in our own culture and our own ideas and how we even think, even in our Christian culture, that there's a level we don't even belong to ourselves. We are renting this body. It is a blessing for us to be in the physical body in which we are in. We bear his image. We belong to God. We don't even belong to ourselves. That is something to really kind of, you almost have to really, There, <laughs> I think some people, maybe that's a freedom issue. You don't belong to yourself. You belong to God. If you are a good Bible-believing Christian, this is some hard facts right here. You don't belong to yourself. You belong to God. You, you owe how you treat your body to God. You owe, you're going to have to answer to the Lord for how you take care of the blessings he's giving you. And that includes the physical body in which we are inhabiting right now using here on earth. Give unto God what is God's, and that is yourself, your heart, your mind, your soul, uh, your will, and your emotions. All of that. Give it to God. It's all his. We are made to worship him. We are his. We are his. And it does us all better to recognize that. And trust me, that's it's teaching to me. It's It's reminding me. And there's a level of like, you know, even when I look at our own money, it bears the image of our government. It's, you know, this is a $5 bill and it, it bear this one has Lincoln on it. Um, and we love Lincoln. Lincoln's a hero for uh, our American history. Um, Lincoln is a revolutionary. Lincoln is, 
is an amazing uh, historical figure. But he didn't, he, he's, Emancipation Proclamation, all of this, all the good stuff that went on with Lincoln and history and, and um, reversing slavery and everything else in our nation's history. And some people may even look at him in a form of a savior, but he's not. He's not the savior. He did great works, but he's not our savior. But the one thing that is on our bill that wasn't on Roman's coin is that we still have in God we trust. In God we trust. And so what's written on here is I think there's a spiritual component to this because we we covet this. We want this. We need, or you know, in our earthly world, we need this money to go buy food and and Yes, we have to buy water and, and you know, which the second most abundant source on the earth, we have to buy it. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I'm just waiting for when we have to buy air. And actually some people do in some certain forms or, or way. But in God, we trust is on our money. And there is a, a level of this and that if we're holding on to this, we, um, in God, we trust. The unfortunateness is that if you actually study the the money that we print, um, that phrase is still there, but it's getting smaller. Don't let that be true in your lives and don't let that be true in your hearts. Because on our money and in, in, in our society and as we see, and there's actually been legislation um, and, and proposed to actually get rid of that off of our money. To get rid of that off of our culture, to get rid of that off of our buildings, to get rid of that uh, off of our country, that we do not trust God anymore. And there, there is a level of this that in the in our money, in that Jesus is saying, "Give it back to Caesar." Like, who cares? Why are you so concerned with this? Because of what is inscribed on it, it belongs to him. It doesn't belong to you. Like, get rid of it. the spiritual component of are you more worried about your money or are you more worried about your God? What are you more worried about? What are you more concerned about? What has a, a longer and lasting impact on your heart? Is it this temporal money that will not follow you? Doesn't matter. As we move on, we we get into the story of talking about marriage. And the Sadducees come to him and they give him this crazy hypothetical. You got seven brothers that marry the same uh, woman on, you know, going into Jewish tradition and law and continue to marry. And this poor woman never has children with seven, <laughs> with, with all seven brothers. Ridiculous hypothetical, right? ridiculous hypothetical um but it's the ultimate idea and we even have this even in our own lives right now that marriage is for people here only on earth 
And now this is re- this is real hard for us to hear. This is super hard. This is not talked about very much, even in the church, because there is this loving idea that we're going to go back, we're going to go to heaven, and we're going to see our loved ones. And yes, we will. I'm not saying you won't, but there's no marriage. This is unfortunately a hard truth that Jesus is trying to teach us, like, you're your connections here on earth are good. Your connections here on earth are a blessing. Your connections here on earth are are for you and here to help you while on earth. But when we go to heaven, yes, you will recognize them. Yes, we'll be together with them. But the focus is not on, are you going to be with your husband or your wife? Are you going to be with uh, all of your loved ones? Like often, how many times do we, when we talk about uh, going somewhere uh, after death, and it's always, well, they're, they're gone on to be with their loved ones. And they're not talking about they're going to be with the Lord. I hear more of one than the other. I hear both, but I hear more of one than the other. And Jesus is saying, look, marriage is only for here on earth. It's a blessing, but it's a temporal blessing. And unfortunately, in our society, marriage isn't even looked at as a blessing anymore, which that, that is a, that's a sad reality, unfortunately. Marriage is absolutely a blessing. And it should be um, respected even more so. But in an eternal perspective, again, God is, uh, Jesus here is trying to talk to us on an eternal perspective. We have to open our minds beyond just our earthly living and look much, much bigger. And that marriage is for now. But when we go to be with him, the focus of going to heaven is to be in the presence of God. That's the whole focus of heaven. I love the saying where it says, um, heaven's not a place for people that are scared of hell. Heaven is for a place for people who love God. What is the focus of heaven? It's God. The focus of heaven is for us to be in the presence of God. Because guess what? We're his. We're his. We are all his. We are the bride of Christ. That's where we belong. And so it's like, don't worry about it, all this. It says you will never die again. In this respect, they will be like angels. We will be like angels, those that are resurrected, those of us that uh, are brought into our eternal life, resurrected with him. We are children of God and children of the resurrection. All there in verse 36. But now, uh, as to whether the dead will be raised, even Moses proved this, right? When Moses is referring, and he he uses the one illustration of at the burning bush, but Moses said it many, many times at different occasions as well. He uses the burning bush because it's probably the most, um, that story is very prominent, right? Even our children ministry, probably if you brought up the burning bush, uh, most of them would be able to recall uh, that story of the Bible. 
All right. And, and of course, Moses is talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And saying, look, they're not dead. They're they're dead on earth, but they're 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 with God. They're alive still. We see this as true when Jesus uh, displays his glory to his top three inner core uh, at the top of the hill. And we see uh, Moses and uh, Elijah right there. And those two are right there with Jesus having a conversation. Of course, that's when we make fun of Peter because Peter opens his mouth and says some foolishness and Jesus doesn't even like uh, acknowledge it because it's just like, oh, just be quiet, Peter. <laughs> right. But um, it, Moses is alive. He's been he's with the Lord. Elijah's alive. You know, these heroes of the faith of uh, we get to see this evidence of that. The life after death is real, and we are eternally with our Lord. That's the whole focus. That's the whole focus. All of this is talking about this idea of we need to be more eternally focused. Does that mean we just abandon everything um, that we need to worry about here on earth? No, but we need to put it within the priority level of where it is what what are we are we prioritizing the temporal issues on life over the eternal focus that we should have are we focusing more on the temporal than the eternal and and then he goes into his teaching this is where and then Jesus presented them with with a question this is where he gets intentional about what i want to teach you because at first it was the q and a session and then he goes into talking about well you know uh he said that david uh is the son of david uh is a title for the messiah um but why did he call him that when david in his psalm even uh referenced the messiah as lord and what he's trying to say here is he's not getting rid of the title, but he's saying that the title gives you an unfortunate uh, idea of who he is. Um, yes, by earthly lineage, he comes through the tribe of Judah and through the line of David, right? We see both um, the lineage in both Luke and in Matthew of Jesus, and they both line in through David, King David himself. And that's part of an earthly prophecy um, as also a, a way of identifying the Messiah, that the Messiah would only come through the bloodline uh, through David, right? Uh, through King David, because David was a, um, a type or a foreshadow of Jesus. And that's the whole point of the son of David title is just to uh, remind yourself of the earthly human prophecy of identifying the Messiah. But the whole idea is that the Messiah is Lord of all. The Messiah is Lord of all. The Messiah is even Lord of David himself. Uh, and that that's the whole point here. Is that the Messiah is Lord of all. Don't misconstrue that. Because part of it was to see they he was trying to get them to understand 
The Messiah is greater than Moses. The Messiah is greater than David. The Messiah is greater than all of these other great prophets and great Bible heroes of the Old Testament. But all of them understood and knew and was pointing to Jesus to come. They were all types and foreshadows. They were all worshipers of the Lord. They were all understanding and getting what God is trying to do and saying that the Messiah is coming. I want to let you know that all of this is pointing to him that's coming. He will be the fulfillment of the law. He will be the fulfillment of all these prophecies. He will be the fulfillment of all of this. And he will bring salvation. He will bring salvation. That's the whole point is really getting the mindset around. I'm your Messiah. I'm here. All of them pointed to me. That's what he's trying to get a hold of them with. And then he kind of goes into like, you really got to watch who you listen to. And this is ultimately where it's all about at the, at the end is what are we focusing on? Is it eternal over temporal? And we need to have that as a form of a spiritual lens for who we're listening to. As Christians, who are we listening to? Like right now, you should be evaluating me. As you're listening to Soap, you should be evaluating Pastor uh, um Jason, you should be evaluating Pastor Jose, you should be evaluating all of us as well as good teachers of the scriptures. Are we pointing to Jesus? Are we trying to help you with your mindset more to the greater eternal focus instead of these earthly concerns overall? Yes, we want to help you through the the earthly concerns. Yes, we want you to live as good of a life here on earth as possible, but all for the glory of God, all for the betterment of his majesty, all because of we should turn around and say, when I'm having a bad day, when I was having a bad morning yesterday, when I was having this and that, I am pointing to that, guess what, the strength that I have to get through my day and the ultimate understanding that I have to get through whatever temporal issues I have right now is for the eternal focus and the glory of our Lord. That's what all of this is about. And so if you are listening to a teacher and they're not pointing you in that general direction towards the name of Jesus, towards giving up all honor and glory to God, and that we are to be devoted to him ultimately and foremost in all aspects of our life, that our marriage should be pointing to Jesus, that our how we manage our finances are pointed to Jesus, how we operate as people in our community is pointed to Jesus, how we operate as leaders or even just workers at our job is pointing to Jesus, that we work not for an earthly master, but we work for as directly for the Lord. That everything we do should be focused on God. That the morality that we hold isn't just so other people say, man, Doug's a great guy. But reality, the reason why Doug's a great guy is because 
he's focused on the Lord. He's ultimately focused on, I'm, I'm here to please God first and foremost. And by pleasing God, I also, you know, the second and equal commandment is to love each other like yourself. But still, the first one that was said in order before that is to say, guess what? I'm focused on God. Nothing comes before my God. And this is, this is where he's even saying, even he's even saying here, marriage doesn't come before God. Marriage is only for here on earth. Your money is only for here on earth. Even, even your family bloodline is only for here on earth. The focus is on God. It's all about him. And so whatever we're doing today and whatever we're going into as we go into this week and as we get closer and closer to Easter, so we get closer and closer to looking at not only in such an amazing way, but a historic and wonderful way that Jesus came to this earth because he loves us so much. That he died for us to take our sin away so we can live free and for him the rest of our days here and eternity with him in his presence. So that's what this is all about. That's what it's all boiled down to. And so I pray today that this encourages you. This also refocuses you, that this uh, helps you with. Um, if maybe you're having a hard time at work and you're just like, oh, my boss is just driving me up the wall. And guess what? Realize that at the end of the day, you honestly really don't work for him or her. You work for the Lord. And our God is good. And our God is gracious. And our God is full of salvation and love and mercy. And so let's have a great day because we serve an awesome God. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Sometimes it's um, maybe it's 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 hard to hear, or it's uh, it's interesting, or it's difficult, or it's it's just different, or it changes our culture and our perspectives on on different things. But ultimately, Lord, that's that's what your word is there to do: is to renew our mind, to help help us continue our focus on you, because you are our good, good Father. So we just pray to you. We thank you. We pray that your your presence just goes with us and guides us throughout our day, uh, guides us throughout our week, guides us uh, forever throughout the rest of our lives until ultimately we're in glory with you. Lord, we just love you. May may our actions and our words today um, inspire others to inquire even more about who you are. Uh, May your kingdom grow in this season as we get closer to Easter and even beyond. Lord, we just love you and we thank you. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen and amen. I hope you all have a great day. Um, this weekend is going to be amazing. We're going to have a great time. We have a guest speaker, uh, Matt, uh, Pastor Matt from uh, Crossroads Church in the Bridgeton area, I believe, uh, out here. And he's coming in. 
Um, and so we are excited to hear what he has for us uh, in the God at Work series. And then next week, next Sunday, you won't want to miss it. We also have Pastor Tim Lucas from Liquid Church coming in. Uh, and so you really want to want to miss that as well. So two great uh, guest speakers back to back. We'll see you this Sunday. Take care. God bless. See you then.